The Bob Murphy Show, episode 66. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews, conducted by a Christian and economist. Now here's your host, Bob Murphy. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. In this one, I'm going to be asking tough questions for conservatives. Now conservatives, let me say to you, in case your buddies have given you this episode, say, hey, listen to this. I'm not trying to zing you, not trying to make you feel dumb, not trying to embarrass you. I want you to just think, because I believe there are several areas where your standard arguments don't line up with each other. The, the argument you use in one area doesn't fit up with the argument you use elsewhere. Also, let me say, I used to be a conservative. I came of age politically listening to Rush Limbaugh and subscribing to the Conservative Chronicle, which was a weekly digest compiling all the op-eds that week running in major papers from conservative writers like Mona Charon, Cal Thomas, William Sapphire. And then in my case, my favorites were Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell. And that's what led me into libertarianism and economics. Let me also say for some of these questions that I'm going to ask, it might sound like I'm agreeing with the liberal on that issue, but that's probably not what it is. Really, it's that I think the libertarian position is more nuanced and capable of avoiding the problems with both the typical conservative and typical liberal position on things like gun control and whatnot. Okay, so don't assume that if I ask a question that if it were coming from Hillary Clinton, you would know exactly what she meant by that. Don't think I mean the same thing. Lastly, if you want to see my questions for progressives, go to bobmurphyshow.com slash 62. Without further ado, here are my tough questions for conservatives. I've seen a lot of arguments for school choice, by which people mean vouchers that the government provides to parents so that they can pull their kids out of public schools and send them to private schools and the government pays for it. I've seen a lot of arguments and rhetoric around that that wouldn't be deployed elsewhere. So for example, calling it school choice, that's one example, or saying things like, we conservatives support school vouchers because we think that poor parents and their children have a right to education and should have the same quality education as rich ones. So my question is, do you use that argument anywhere else? Like when it comes to automobiles, for example, or houses? If you're okay with the government banning certain drugs because they're deemed to be too dangerous and that the individual is incompetent to make the decision as to whether he or she should be able to ingest that drug, what about banning dangerous books? Aren't dangerous books even more of a menace to society than dangerous drugs? And if you don't go down that path, if you realize it would be a bad idea for the government to ban dangerous books... Why don't those reasons apply to drugs? In the immigration debate, I think if you support especially aggressive government measures to restrict the flow of immigrants, you might say something like, well, yeah, generally speaking, I don't want the government meddling with people's business. But when it comes to immigration, there's a lot going on here. For one thing, 
let's just be practical here. These immigrants coming in are going to tend to vote Democratic, right? They're going to vote for a bigger welfare state and so on. So we can't ignore that. Also, they're going to tend to receive welfare benefits, free public schooling and so forth, showing up at the hospital. So they're imposing extra costs on the taxpayer. And, and maybe you also think that they commit more crime, right? And so that's why you're saying, yeah, yeah, my general presumption of individual liberty and uh, you, you don't get to regulate someone's behavior until they've committed a crime, you don't apply that when it comes to the immigration debate because of the, the types of reasons I've just listed. And that's, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to argue with you on any of those particular points, but let me just observe that what you just said would apply not just to immigrants crossing the border, but also to newborn babies crossing the border out of their mothers uh, if they were U.S. citizens already. All right, so newly born U.S. citizens, at least for a lot of them, you could deploy the same arguments that you just used to explain why it's justified for the U.S. government to restrict immigration. And so I'm wondering, my question is, do you think that means actually there must be something wrong with your arguments or are you now okay with the federal government also regulating the flow of newborns from existing resident citizen mothers? When it comes to the gun control debate, if you use the argument that there should be no restrictions on semi-automatics because you cite the Second Amendment or just more general principles about it's a slippery slope if the government has the right to intervene a little bit, then they're eventually going to take away all our guns. Where does that end on the flip side? Are you saying you don't think there should be any government prohibition on people having tanks and bazookas in their garage, having suitcase nukes? And if you do have some rationale to say, okay, yeah, private citizens just can't literally have a stockpile of military-grade weapons that would literally fund a small army, that shouldn't be legal. Well, then what principle do you use? How do you stop on that spectrum before going down the slippery slope? I've seen Republicans running for office and they'll say uh, they'll, they'll be for tax cuts or they'll be opposing the tax hike that the Democratic candidate has been proposing in the election or in the campaign. And the uh, Republican slogan will be, because it's your money. So if that's the case, and if, if you as a conservative like that kind of language, shouldn't you be in favor of zero taxes? I know there are a lot of conservatives that don't support President Trump, but for those of you who do, this question is going to be for you. One way of looking at what's going on as I'm recording this, we're in the midst of the uh, calls for impeachment over the Ukraine phone call and related matters. So do I summarize your position by saying something like, sure, Trump probably did some bad stuff, but come on, these people are all corrupt and this is by no means a fair process. What's really going on here is the CIA and other interested parties didn't like this guy and they're taking him out. They've been trying to do it ever since he got sworn in. This whole thing is a farce. This is injustice. And uh, frankly, say what you will about President Trump, but he won. He's the democratically elected president of the country. And the CIA does not have the right or the competence to go removing a democratically elected leader. You obviously, you probably put it in different words, but you generally okay with that? If so, my question is, 
Would you apply that same reasoning to the CIA overthrowing other countries' governments? If our government can allow somebody like Janet Reno to be operationally in charge of the ATF and to massacre a whole bunch of children, just burning them alive in Waco, using chemicals that have been banned in international warfare, if our government can allow that, shouldn't we not have an ATF? Imagine a hypothetical country for a minute, and I tell you that in this country, turns out that about 95% of all the convictions are achieved because the prosecutor goes up to the defendant, you know, behind closed doors and says, I will pay you or your relatives $10,000 if you agree that you committed this crime. If you confess that you committed this crime, I'll pay you $10,000. And that was the case. Such a deal was offered in 95% of the convictions. What would you think about the justice of that country? Would you think that system was a good one? Would you expect that a lot of the people would be guilty of the crimes they committed if that were involved? Okay, different scenario. What if it turned out, hypothetical country, that about 95% of the convictions were achieved because, at least in part, the defendant was threatened with torture? Right, so the prosecutor said behind closed doors, you're going to agree that you committed this crime, you're going to sign this confession, or else we're going to break both your arms. And what if such a threat was made in 95% of all of the convictions? Again, I would ask, would that make you suspicious about that system? And would you not trust its results? Would you not be so sure that most of the people agreeing they committed crimes were in fact guilty? or at least not were they guilty of the specific thing to which they confessed. Okay, last thing. Suppose, another hypothetical country, you're looking at it, and in the 95% of the convictions, what was involved is the prosecutor said to the defendant, you agree that you did this crime, or else I'm going to threaten you with extra time in a jail cell. What do you think? Would you be suspicious? Does it change your answer if I point out, which many of you probably have seen is coming, that I've just described the U.S. legal system, the practices known as offering a plea deal? When it comes to the drug war, would it change your mind any if you knew that the Chicago Police Department was caught where drug dealers would fly up to Chicago, get out, get into the back seat of a Chicago police squad car? and be escorted around? If so, I'll put a link in the footnotes of this. It's bobmurphyshow.com slash 66. Leftists often advocate policies that result in the breakdown of the family. Welfare being the obvious example. And I'm imagining you as a conservative think that's reprehensible, don't you? These leftists talk about all these other values and goals they have, but they don't see how welfare policies and unrestricted access to abortion, so forth, break down the family. If that's you, my question is, when someone on the left complains about the Trump administration's policy of separating children from their parents at the border, do you feel alarm? Do you stop and say, yeah, it is true that these policies are breaking up families. Let me really seriously consider. Or do you just 
flippantly and glibly say, oh, so if somebody were murdered, would you say that the murderer shouldn't be separated from his family, huh? Follow the law. No family breakdown. Is that you? Suppose you hear someone say that FDR's New Deal ended the Great Depression. Is your response to say, no, it didn't. It was World War II. That's what got us out of the Depression. Because if so, that means you still agree that it's large government budget deficits or at least large government spending that pulls an economy out of the doldrums. So you're still advancing Keynesian economics. You're just quibbling over what the government should spend the money on. So does that concern you at all? As a conservative, I imagine that you're appalled by these smug leftist progressives, these intellectuals who come in, think they have all of these grandiose plans for fixing the inner city, right? They're going to provide job training, school lunches, daycare, all sorts of stuff, infrastructure spending, right? More money for housing projects to revitalize these communities, blah, blah, blah. And it's just a disaster, isn't it? And you know that these people aren't competent enough to do that. And you also know that they shouldn't be bullied when they tell us how noble and righteous they are. Really, a lot of what's going on there is they like running people's lives. Isn't that the case? Okay. Do you have the same cynicism when people on the right, conservatives, claim that just give them some money and missiles and troops and they can fix the Middle East? There was a period when the Republicans under the George W. Bush administration controlled the White House and both branches, and spending increased more quickly than in other scenarios. So if Republicans don't cut spending even when they control everything, what are you waiting for? At what point are you going to stop supporting them? Let's take a break from my tough questions for conservatives to mention that the economy, I think, is in store for a big shock. Let's put it that way. And in that kind of a situation, I think people should know about alternatives. And so let me just mention two things that I've worked on. One is my free PDF downloadable guide to understanding Bitcoin. Go to understandingbitcoin.us to get that. The other is a book I co-authored with Carlos Lara and Nelson Nash called The Case for IBC. So go to thecaseforibc.com for more information on that book. Those are different concepts, different asset types, if you will. But the similarity is that they both allow you to secede from the current standard system and hopefully be able to weather the coming financial storm. As a conservative, I'm sure you're sick of how people on the left will respond to a perfectly factual, neutral statement and claim that it's racist, right? For example, you can just claim that, oh, these welfare policies are destroying the black family. Or, uh, hey, did you know there's some allegations that Martin Luther King was actually a plagiarist, right? Just saying things like that. And people will bite your head off and claim that you're a racist, right? Isn't that kind of annoying? You're just making a factual statement. It sure seems like U.S. foreign policy has a lot to do with the interest of the state of Israel, doesn't it? Now, my question is, do you think that I'm anti-Semitic because of what I just said? Or did it at least give you that feeling and you rushed to that? 
And if so, do you see that that's exactly what annoys you about progressive leftists? After the war on terror was up and running, it was discovered that the CIA was running a worldwide network of secret prisons. The U.S. was spending close to half of the entire planet's budget on military spending. Later on, under the Obama administration, there was a secret kill list formed in which the president and his aides could take out people with drones, for example. At what point would you start thinking that America was not the good guys anymore on the world stage? Is there such a point? If you don't think it's yet been reached, can you come up with a point hypothetically and just draw a line in the sand in your mind so that down the road you won't just keep moving it? Do you revere Abraham Lincoln as a hero of liberty who ended the scourge of slavery? Why is it that the United States and Haiti were the only two places where a bloody war was necessary to end slavery? I realize a lot of conservatives are not in favor of tariffs, but especially with the Trump administration, many of you are. So these questions are restricted to you. If the U.S. putting up tariffs creates jobs at home, boosts our manufacturing base and so on. Then in World War I, when the German U-boats blockaded Britain, weren't they foolishly creating jobs for Englishmen? Suppose in the United States, we drew a line cutting the country in half, like from the Canadian border down to Mexico, down the middle of the country. And they passed a rule saying people on the west side of the country couldn't trade with people on the east side, or maybe there were very high tariff barriers. Wouldn't that make everybody a lot richer? By the way, that's not a slam dunk question. There's an obvious response, but I want you to at least, if you're going to be in support of tariffs, to think through the logic as to what exactly your position is, because I think that will help. Would you be happy if China stopped engaging in currency manipulation? Right, If the Chinese government stopped engaging in policies that propped up the U.S. dollar vis-a-vis their own currency? Okay, related question. Would you be sad if the Chinese government, perhaps in an attempt to stick it to the Trump administration, stopped buying U.S. treasuries, stopped lending money to the U.S. government? Because I've just described the same thing. If capitalism is such a great system and socialism is so obviously stupid and bankrupt, then did we really need a Cold War? Was the Soviet Union really that much of a threat to the world if they relied on a system that you're saying is obviously backward? If you're a fan of the Declaration of Independence, then do you agree you have to agree that the southern states had a right to secede? and break away from the Union? In case you're really upset about Chinese companies stealing so-called intellectual property, this question is for you. Is intellectual property really a coherent concept? Let me give you some examples. What if there's a girl in high school and she starts wearing her hair a certain way? Do you think it makes sense that if other girls start copying that style, the first girl can sue them and they have to pay her money? to have the right, the licensing right, to wear that style? Or uh, what if Einstein tried to go charge people for using the formula E equals MC squared? What if the first person to figure out how to make a fire tried to patent that? 
I'm guessing you're a huge fan of what the Allies did in World War II. And maybe you would describe it as saying, look at the situation they faced. There was this brutal dictator, and we know this guy was bad. I mean, he killed millions of his own people, and he had taken over half of Europe. So heck yes, it's a good thing the U.S. went in. And then notice what one of the consequences of that intervention was. There was a brutal dictator, and we know he was bad because he killed millions of his own people, and he ended up being in control of half of Europe. Suppose Trump gets reelected and California votes to secede. Are you going to be okay if they do that? Are you going to say, yes, I think they should have the right to go ahead and do that, or would you be in favor of the federal government forcibly suppressing that? Regarding President Trump's current battles against those calling for his impeachment, you as a conservative, are you okay with this? I'm going to describe something and then I'm going to have a follow-up question. If President Trump can spend two years fending off this bogus investigation into Russian collusion, where several of the claims were just palpably absurd, and you can't believe he's got to deal with this stuff. This is even an issue. If he's having that much difficulty and he's a billionaire on top of it, right? if the the agents of the state, if they really want to stick it to somebody, they can tie him up for years. So if the president of the United States is susceptible to that, even being a billionaire on top of everything else, then when you hear someone on the left complaining that the judicial system unfairly targets relatively powerless people, and for example, says that the people on death row, you know, need to have their cases reexamined, is your response Ah, system's basically fine. And yeah, if you're in prison, you probably did something. If I've correctly described your view of what happened to Trump and what happens to hundreds of thousands of people who get processed by the judicial system, my question is, don't you see that there's somewhat of a mismatch there? I've got one final question for conservatives. Let me set it up by first playing this iconic clip from The Gipper. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. And now my question. Why is it that government is the problem when it comes to addressing the crises that the left wants to use it for? But apparently, government is the solution for all the crises that conservatives want to use government for. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show, the podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit bobmurphyshow.com.